money is an enabler. Yeah. Money in itself, you know, it's you use it to live the life you want. The focus I have, especially when I sit with my clients and talk about, it's all around what is it that you want in life and then plan your investments. Welcome to the One Up Project. Money is fuel that, that allows you to do things. It doesn't need to be taboo. What you don't want to do is wake up at 65 realising you did something you hated and have regret. Go and find people who will give you advice for nothing. This is a space for personal growth and money chat with new perspectives every Monday. This bit of content, listening to this, is going to be a small little breadcrumb of something that makes them think a little bit differently. For all the things we were never taught but should have been. At the end of the day, the most important person is yourself and if you're not happy with your own choices, then you're never going to be happy. Kia ora everyone, welcome back to another episode of the One Up Project podcast. Today I am welcoming Samita Paul, a financial planner at her business Athena Wealth. I actually found Samita through a LinkedIn stalk and I'm so excited to have someone passionate like her here to discuss money and a little bit about your business as well. So Samita, thank you so much for being here. How are you? I'm very well. Kira, Sarah, uh, thank you so much for the opportunity to talk. Thank you so much. Okay, well, firstly, you told me a little bit about your business, Athena Wealth, when we spoke, but could you please tell everyone why you have used the word Athena and how this relates to your passion? Just to give you a bit of a flashback, um, Probably it was around six years ago. I've had 23 years uh, a career in financial services where I've been deeply involved in investment planning and estate planning for people. But it was around six years ago I decided like I'm going to focus on financial planning, on a comprehensive financial planning for clients. And at the time, wasn't really clear about, okay, I want to do this. But uh, whether I would do it myself or do it with a corporate or do it with a firm or a smaller firm, things like that. But as the um, idea evolved and my interaction with people and um, awareness, experience and also awareness of the pay, gender pay gap at the time, you know, there were more and more con- conversations around it. Um, and that led to the wealth gap that we have in New Zealand and also around the world and we have it here as well and I was thinking we shouldn't be having a gap in New Zealand here when you know there's so much information and the uh, access is uh, access to information is there and that's when I decided okay I think I want to make a difference here I want to have an impact and uh, genuinely may kind of remove this kind of gap we have and uh, the discussions around pay gap were important, but further to that, the bigger picture, the longer impact of that, you know, needs to be discussed as well. So uh, I just felt that was an area, that was kind of a purpose um, I genuinely believed in. And so the idea of financial planning with that, I kind of decided in my mind uh, that I wanted to do financial planning focused on women. Again, the structure was a bit... um, it was fluid around how I would implement it. So I kind of tried different options, talked to different people, worked with different people. And then I realized what I wanted to achieve is my dream. And I had to give it a try and give it a shot. And so decided, okay, I've got, I was going to set up my own business because of what I believed in and how I wanted to do it. And given the purpose, and I wanted to um, the business to stand for that, empowering women, and uh, Athena is from the Greek goddess. 
Athena, who stands for wisdom, rational thinking, courage. She is also the goddess of war. However, intellectual war. She's for strategy and for a fair and just war. So mm. it kind of symbolized everything that I believed in and what I wanted to achieve. And uh, hence the name Athena. And of course, wealth, uh, alluding to the fact that it is to help women build wealth. Amazing. That is exactly <laughs> why I needed to get you on today. Uh, I read an article where you were discussing financial well-being and, and what that means. So I guess to you, what does it mean to take care of our financial well-being? Yeah. So very simply put, uh, financial well-being is um, just feeling okay, uh, feeling that you will be fine, you'll be okay. Um, you know, the sense of knowing that you are in control of um, the, the money you have. So that feeling of security or feeling uh, secure in yourself is basically what financial well-being is all about. To kind of dig it a bit deeper, to be more understanding how much money are you earning, where is it going, um, at the end of the day, is it a positive balance that is left or do you have to, you know, short of money towards the end of the month or you have to kind of curb things? So just understanding where it's going and having a, an idea of how it's working for you. And then, the, you know, further than you think about it, you think about, okay, should something go wrong? How will I cope? So having answers to that, you don't need to have money to deal with everything now. You don't need a massive bank balance, but it's more about thinking about things and having a plan in place or something to ensure that you will be okay. You will be okay. And uh, and that might be saving up, you know, having a little bit of an emergency fund should something go wrong. Or it might be um, if you've start if you bought, bought your first home and things like that, having a structure where you know if should something go wrong, you know, you have um, a base you can kind of dip into. So how it's structured so ultimately I think stepping back going without going into too much detail financial well-being is basically not worrying about how what would happen if things go wrong for you or whether you'll be able to achieve your goals or whether you'll be able to live the life you want having things in place that gives you that security or, or having a plan where you're working towards achieving that is what I would say uh, is financial well-being. I always say it's, it's like a three-pronged approach to your overall well-being. So, you know, you, you, we, we look after our health, we eat well, we do yoga, we do exercises, we make sure, you know, physically we are well. Uh, so that is your physical well-being. And that you know, and there's so much research, and we're all aware like how an exercise, doing exercise benefits your emotional well-being as well because of endorphins and, you know, the hormones that are released and you're better, you feel better. So, you know, it has an impact on your emotional well-being. And we always talk about that. What sometimes gets missed out is on the financial well-being bit where your physical and your emotional well-being is very closely linked to your finances as well because a lot of the problems people face is sometimes money related so no matter how well you eat and how much exercise you do or how much meditation you do if your finances are not well or if you don't have a plan on how to deal with issues around money that might be a, a consistent 
issue that probably would um, kind of intervene with your overall well-being. For, for example, I mean, you know, you're working, you become redundant, or you, you, or something happens where you, you lose your job. You start worrying about, okay, wh- where do I get my next, you know, what's the next step? How can I manage the expenses? Will it be a long time before I get a, a job? You know, and that leads to emotional worry, which kind of, and then you start eating bad and giving you physical issues. So physical well-being is impacted. So uh, yeah, I just think it's a spiral. So Financial well-being is crucial in giving yourself that um, uh, security, which then leads you to have a better physical well-being and emotional well-being. Mm, I love that answer. I completely resonate with what you've just said, and I touched on it briefly when we were speaking before we started recording around how the premise of this podcast is to encapsulate all types of wellness not just financial but that all of them interact with each other and kind of help one another are there any examples that you pull from your experience as a financial planner of people who have managed to prioritize those elements of wellness successfully and that has played out to have a benefit in their life the most successful people I have seen in life not just with their investments and their money and the wealth and all are people who have achieved a balance. Yeah. So a lot of people worked extremely hard and realizing as they come to um, probably older age, realizing you know, it's not all about work. It is, it is about a balance. Um, but again, another thing is I think, I think our work life evolved with those concepts. Mm. And so we were probably testing the ground as well uh, in terms of um, I remember when I had my uh, older son and I went back to work, uh, after my maternity leave, I missed the baby so much. I just, I was beside myself. And I talked to the company about part-time work and they were like, oh, let's think about it. But then that concept was slowly being discussed, allowing uh, part-time work and, you know, continue allowing you to uh, be part of the company, continue your work, but accommodating that need. Um, and that was 20, 21 years ago. So I, I think that gen- our generation kind of evolved with finding what is the ideal balance. And now there's so much more awareness of the benefits of having a balanced life. Balanced life in the sense giving priority not just to your what you do, but how you do it, uh, what else adds value to your life. And I think there is a, a much better focus on your life goals than uh, probably my generation had this social format of you finish your studies, you find a job, you get married, have kids, buy, oh no, sorry, buy a home, yes, a house. You know, there was that format where, which is now, I think, is being disrupted, saying, you know, life doesn't have to follow a set formula. There you can achieve what you want in different ways. Yeah. It's something I've really struggled with when it comes to prioritizing money now at a time in my life where it seems like I can get away with not prioritizing money. I've really struggled with how do I implement a plan for five years, ten years away if I feel that it's beyond like what is relevant to my life now. How, do you think there's a way that we can create that motivation to stick to it and to chip away at it? Yeah, so it's a, my question to you, Sarah, would be, okay, like, you know, I know it's going to be very cliche, but where do you see yourself in, yeah. I don't know, 20 years' time? Where do you see? Do, do you see yourself 
running a business? Do you see yourself uh, somewhere doing philanthropy? You would imagine, where do you see yourself? You know, what is the purpose you want to, or what is the, what is the impact you want to make? Um, or what is the change? Do you want to build something? Do you want to service people? Or when I say build something, what I mean is not essentially building something, but, you know, building a business or a structure or your podcast. You might have um, a podcast empire. I'm not saying you, you're, hung, you're stuck to that goal. Not at all. You know, life happens. Things change. You may change your plans. But I think it always helps just having a, a vision of where things are going. So if that is where, if for example, I'm going to assume Sarah, you're going to be a podcast uh, empress. Uh, Amazing. <laughs> so now, what you would then start thinking about is, okay, if I want to get there, then you know everything you do, you would be thinking, how does what I'm doing now work towards that building that empire? Mm. All right. So money also then, you know, dealing with money also, um, you will ask that question, how. Is it that my, what I'm doing with my money now? How is that going to help me to kind of get there? So then you may think, you know what? It might be a good idea to set aside some money to, I don't know, help me with future opportunities or travel and things like that, which you then you get an exposure. You get the opportunity to meet different people in different parts of the world, talking about different things. So then you start thinking about, okay, now I do need to consider. So you start planning for, okay, that's going to my, my business travel fund. So there you go. You've got your, you know, short-term goal or medium-term goal. So you start making plans and utilizing your money or making money as an enabler for you to achieve that final goal. Mm. So that's where you start thinking about. And then your empire will be built. But however, you still need to think about, okay, what if my plans change? So you start thinking about your long-term. So you put your little bit into your retirement planning and because you know uh, you've learned, and in, through your podcast, your listeners also know the power of compounding interest and compounding growth. So you put that little bit away because you know in the long term that'll work. It shouldn't impede with your short-term plans. So when you have these little go different goals you're thinking about, your your money will start moving towards that and helping you enable that. I think that's where the balance comes with your lifestyle and mm. your future goals and what you do. Yeah, I guess... It that goal is going to be so important, right? Like having a, a goal that is actually meaningful to you. Absolutely. As opposed Absolutely. to, I want to retire when I'm 50. No. With no reason. Absolutely agree. I mean, I don't think retirement as a concept really exists anymore. Mm. You know, the olden, um, if you think about um, my parents' generation, where they're thinking about, okay, at the age of, 65 you retire you stop working basically you know and then you that concept does not exist anymore and even my parents were in their 70s they were working till last year actually because they just like to be engaged and active mm. and um, so it I think it's it is some of some are probably more aware than others or luckier than others in knowing what they want to do in life me, I honestly, I th I think I was a floater for a long time. <laughs> I did what I uh, enjoyed. I did have a vague idea of what where I wanted to get to. Not so much about career, but where I wanted to. I wanted to, you know, where my my how my family would be and what my kids would do, and kind of a image of how life would pan out or should pan out. And I gen kind of worked towards that. Mm. I think when you have that longer term vision, 
you understand why the money should flow in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. <coughs> it has also it has also been openly discussed that men and women approach money quite differently, especially when it comes to investing. What relevance do you think these differences have on like how we should actually go about planning our finances, if at all? No, yeah, there are differences, but I always say, you know, these uh, the gender differences we talk about, you can't really generalize it. It's always on a spectrum, you know. I sometimes think as a couple, I'm the risk taker, and my husband's probably the more cautious one. Some in sometimes, and other times it's different. So it's all on a spectrum. You know, some women are very high risk takers, and some men are extremely cautious. But generally, we find women to be risk averse because their priorities are inherently we are the nurturers we want to make sure that you know it's everyone's provided for and uh, yeah, things are looked after things are preserved so answer to your question i think it would i know i'm going to sound repeating myself but it all comes down to planning your investments around what you want mm. around your goals and i think when when the thought about where you should invest how you should invest what you should invest in is around what you are trying to achieve with this money so money is an enabler yeah. money in itself you know it's you use it to live the life you want so i think again comes down to my um the focus i have especially when i sit with my clients and talk about it's all around what is it that you want in life and then plan your investments for someone who's thinking about investments the first thing there i think clarity is okay um what's the goal i want to achieve i mean we talk a lot about buying your first home you know that's that's a goal we discuss a lot about that so if that's your goal then you know okay i want to buy my first home this is around the time number of years i'm going to uh, have to buy that first home okay now if i want to save my deposit and invest a deposit how do i want to buy then that will give you an indication of how much risk should i take is it worth taking too much of a risk what if the markets are too volatile so then you start understanding the concepts around it and then structuring and um, and then choosing you know what would work best for you goals based would work best then we work backwards to it okay so then this would work for you the amount of risk you need to take needs to align with that rather than just looking at an investment on its own and talking about okay it's a you take you you get high returns if you take high risk yes of course it is but do you need to do that you know and some cases yes you do need to do that if you have to get to uh, a certain goal you have for over the long term but sometimes you really don't need to so why would you take that risk if it's not necessary So if you go further into investments and how to invest is managing risk and diversification so all those concepts then come you know would start making sense and becoming relevant when you're aware of you know what these things mean and how it's going to directly impact my life and my goals you you become interested and you become curious about things and uh, and then you understand why what the concept of risk is and why you should take that or concept of returns is and why you should invest in a certain asset class over the other or probably how you should blend them all together to get there but something i had seen that you had written was that discomfort now is better than resentment later on around money conversations which i really liked what are you referring to when you mention resentment uh, i think i was talking in the context of um 
probably when you come into a relationship with mm. another person and having having those difficult conversations around money it's a new relationship you're in love and you're you know you want to uh, you know build a life together and you think oh is this going to be awkward and things like that and so t- to tell you a story like if you don't have those conversations and as and imagine you're a saver and you've met someone you know it's you know, swept you off your feet you know pampering you flowers and treats and things like that and over a period of time you realize okay this person absolutely has no issues with spending okay it's <laughs> a spender and you're totally pampered it's really great but over a period of time you realize oh wasn't that a bit frivolous you know and then you start kind of thinking about oh that was not necessary you could have saved that money and if you don't have an open conversation about your attitudes to money and how what money means to you over a period of time that absolutely you know uh, swep- sweeping you off your feet behavior can turn into oh my god this is the most irresponsible person i've ever met <laughs> you know <laughs> you know how it can so so this is a lovely relationship can change into being um a not so very nice place to be for example the other way around that you know you probably enjoy having a very enjoy little luxuries in life and you meet someone who's a very strict saver who does not know how to spend you know that is an issue as well mm-hmm. there are, uh, saving is great but you should know how to enjoy spending it as well because money in itself like i said previously it's an enabler it, it should help you to live the life you want being aware of each other's uh, money mindset your attitude to money your relationship with money what you think money is is quite important because mm-hmm. as life progresses um these the same issue can crop up in major decisions it could be where you live it could be which schools you send your children to you know all those things then it, it can have an impact but money and relationships is such an important topic in discussing money mindset i suppose that comes as a result of upbringing is always such a core part of how we establish what we want our financial situation to look like moving forward and another phrase or thing that's thrown around a lot within the money world is the word or the phrase net worth <laughs> so assets minus liabilities for those who want to be able to work it out but sometimes it can feel like this phrase is only relevant to millionaires you know <laughs> like we're looking at the net worth of whoever the rich people is yeah. it oh, get the billionaires and the millionaires out there <laughs> exactly so like do you think this is important to the thousand year person <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i always say you know yeah the whatever the word net worth means it's essentially uh you know it is stock tick you know where mm. you're at so basically if you decide okay i'm going to pack up and leave i'm going to sell everything i have pay off all the debts i have and put the money into my or pull everything out of my bank account as well and if i hold it in my hands how much do i have that's your net worth basically and and net worth is important because if you are on your financial journey your net worth is the um asset base you have mm. that's crucial because to know what uh, how much resources you have so net worth is the value of all the assets you have minus all debts credit cards and mortgages and car loans personal loans everything paid off what you have left behind 
And the other thing uh, that's crucial in your financial journey is your um, income and expense surplus or deficit. How much are, do you have left mm. um, after, how much do you earn and how much do you have left after tax and after all expenses? Right, These so your discretionary income. Yes, your discretionary income mm. and your asset base. These are the two things that you can utilize to, you know, start your uh, financial journey as to what assets you have and how they're going to grow, etc. Mm. So it seems like understanding your net worth is a good way to understand what actually you own, I suppose, or what is yours. Yes, exactly. And it's really important to protect those assets as well. I was just talking about estate planning yes. yesterday, uh, actually, and I just didn't realise how easy it is to do, but it seems like it's really difficult. Um, and so I'm curious from your side as a financial planner, if you have any stories around why it's relevant to those of us who, you know, just don't feel it has much importance? I can actually. go Estate planning, you think about it, you, know, you think of estate planning, you think of like a real old elderly couple exactly. signing this parchment of a document of yeah. will. It is with so an actual <laughs> estate with horses, like that's horses. what I'm imagining. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So estate planning comes to, basically what it is, is uh, putting in place structures and pointing the right people around you to help you should you become unable to do things. So it could be because you've lost your physical and mental capacity if you after you die. So estate planning basically ensures that what you own and what you have is managed and dealt with the way you would like it to be by the people you trust and you have confidence in. So an ex- example I should say is one of our friends' son was on an OE a few years, oh, not a few years ago, two years ago actually, while COVID hit. And... Uh, he was overseas and he became extremely unwell. Mm. Admitted in a hospital. The parents, now he was 22 or 23 at the time. The parents had no legal authority. He's not a minor anymore. They are not his guardians. He is, he's, a, he's an adult making his own decisions. Just because they are his parents, they don't have any legal rights to be able to deal with his assets or even his personal welfare so that highlighted an issue which you don't think very much about um, which just falls into the realm of estate planning about enduring power of attorneys for young young people who are traveling around the world or who are away from home so an enduring power of attorney is a document where you appoint someone you trust to manage your financial affairs and also look after your personal care and welfare should you become physically or mentally unable to do that. So mind you, you're not dead. It's just right. that you're extremely unwell or you've been in an accident. or you. So the, uh, they, these are the people who can then step in and ensure that your money is dealt with, can talk to the doctors and the health authorities and help uh, ensure the right decisions are made on your behalf. Again, when you hear that, you're thinking, oh my God, that means I have to go and talk to a lawyer and then, my God, Mm. there's going to be... I think New Zealand, we're really lucky where there are a couple of online options as well and quite well-constructed options, I should say. There are certain legal requirements where you will have to go and get it... um, You'll have to go into an office and get it witnessed by um, uh, uh, 
person who's qualified to give you advice and things like that. Public trust has one, there's footprint, and there might be another few, you know, people can look up. So definitely encourage that. When it comes to will, which is what comes into effect after you die, again, everyone thinks, I don't have much. You know, I don't have a house. I don't have money in the bank. You know, who am I going to? Why should I worry about these things? If you have assets over 15,000, you technically need a will to to uh, instruct how it should be distributed. Mm. If you don't have one, then your family or whoever is left behind has to apply to the court, um, engage a lawyer, apply to the court to get letter of administration, which just adds unnecessary cost and you know uh, things when it could have easily been done by spending around probably $200 and getting the document in place. For younger couples who have children and who are thinking we have a huge mortgage and we have a in life insurance that will cover the mortgage that should be fine what and we don't have too much money to kind of pass on what you forget as a will is a medium through which you appoint guardians to your children mm. and i always think for me when i was a young parent the will we didn't have much, uh, you know, our net worth wasn't that very high. <laughs> However, what was important to me was to ensure that the right people would look after my children should my husband and I die, to, you know, in a car accident or whatever, you know, die together prematurely. We just wanted to make sure the right people looked after our children and it was not left to the family to then figure out you know, what's, what's going to happen to the children, yeah. who's going to look after them. So, yeah, so there are, there are small things sometimes not directly related to the amount of money you have but you're putting the right people in you know uh, in place to ensure that your your money you are looked after or your loved ones are looked after after you're gone mm, absolutely yeah it's something that's come to my attention more recently about the relevance of it to someone like myself who doesn't have dependents or feels like I don't have <laughs> anything to take care of you know um, but the thing about anything over 15,000 you know you technically need a will in place to be able to decide what happens to those assets I think is a really important point I think often sometimes, you know, in this conversation we've spoken a lot about different elements of personal finance and financial wellness. It's quite easy for us to become overwhelmed with feeling like there's a million and one things we need to get sorted. For those people listening who might feel that way, what would your words of advice be to them? If you're conscious about, you know, wanting to make a difference or embark on your financial wellbeing journey, I think the start would be to know exactly where your money's coming from. Mm. and where it's going that would be a, uh, I would say that would be a great start and it is with technology today sometimes it is very easy to do that you don't need to you know keep every receipt and you know everything you spend your money on written down in a book uh, or anything like that you just need to download your bank statement on it to excel yeah uh, look at what the transactions are it tells you where you've been spending money, categorize, put a category in, you know, spend on how, okay, countdown, new world, or pack and save, you know, it's groceries and household expenses. Um, you see that your local cafe, you know, okay, that's a coffee or a takeaway. So just mark them, you know, in a, label them the way what you're comfortable with and what makes sense to you. Do a sort and see, and do a subtotal to the amounts and see, oh, okay, this is what I'm spending on each of these things. 
okay, that's a good idea. So you're aware of it. Then also knowing where your money is coming from. It might be a job, it might be a side hustle. If you're lucky, you might be getting a little bit of a top up from your parents or, you know, thanks to that, just being aware, okay, that's where the money is coming from. So what would happen if one of them stopped? How would I, you know, how would I deal with it? Mm. And then that would lead you to then thinking, oh, okay, maybe I should scurry away a little bit. You know, that'll cover off the expenses I have every month. Maybe a three-month total as a little bit of a rainy day fund or an emergency fund. I think that would be, just being aware of where your money is coming from and where it's going would be a way to start. Mm-hmm. And that, and then uh, that would be my advice. Yeah, that's really good. I think I, I often tell people the same thing. If you, know, you don't know where to start, a good place is just income and expenses. What's the balance here? And work out what parts of that are important to you and then dive into the different things and taking it one step at a time is a cliche but it really is important because you know there's no point doing any of this work out of fear and stress because I think that'll cause you to act emotionally which might end up meaning that you don't even make the best decision for yourself anyway. Absolutely agree Sarah there's no need to fear I think I always say you know the more information you have fear comes when you don't know. Mm. Now, fear comes from probably not having enough information or not having enough knowledge. And sometimes it might be right in front of you, but it's just the fears come to a level where, you know, you just don't want to do it. And it's just a painful thing. And I, I think that's when sometimes um, it, it helps to, I don't know, talk about it with your friend and, you know, have a chat or make a, make a project out of it. When I was young, I used to have an app on my phone called Wally. I don't know if you've heard of W-A-L-L-Y. It's an American app, but it was a real, real easy to manage. You can have categories and used to put budgets and things like that. That really helped um, in, in some ways understanding where the money was going. If you are that, if you're that way inclined, if you like to have an app and, you know, but then you have to update the app and things like that and, you know, do those things. But if that's the thing you like enjoying, you enjoy doing, that's another way to do it rather than download and work on Excel sheets. And then uh, it keeps you informed on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis as to how you're tracking, where the money's going, how you're uh, trending with, um, you know, if you have a, if you set a budget for yourself. But, uh, but then you don't need to set a budget. Like I said before, all you need to know is where your money is going and where it's, where it's coming yeah, yeah, exactly. There's multiple different ways, whether it's just writing it out into columns on a piece of paper. Yes. You know, there's um, budgeting platforms online. There's apps like you mentioned. I use an online financial planner. So there's lots of different ways you can do it. And that's all part of the journey, I suppose, is working out what works for you. Cool. Well, awesome. And I I think I should emphasize on the fact that, you know, we've got a gorgeous website called Sorted, if you haven't heard about it already, or you must have, I'm pretty sure. Yes. (laughs) It is, I I have hats off to them, actually. The amount of information, the resources, the the worksheets, the calculators – use it i mean it is there it's it's created for us for new zealanders so if you're stuck knowing don't know where to start go to sorted just play around with sorted i think yeah that'll that's a fantastic way to start Mm, i completely agree 
Well, thank you so much, Samita, for your time today. I really appreciate having you on and just sharing all of your experience and knowledge with us. I'm looking forward to hearing what people have learned from this one. But again, just appreciate having you here. Uh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The One Up Project. If you want to find more stuff just like this, check out our other apps or follow us at The One Up Project on Instagram or TikTok. See you there.